Oh, hey there. Welcome to Hair, 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 a podcast about <clears throat> hair. I'm Josh Tyson, and today we're talking with model and stylist Graham Nation. Originally from Baton Rouge, he got his start in the industry right here in Denver, studying at the Aveda Institute. Well known on the gram, the Instagram, he's based in LA where he works at Ken Pavis Salon, quaffing A-listers like Ava Longoria, Mary J. Blige, and the Beckhams. My wife and I own Needle in the Hay Salon in Cherry Creek, and when Graham was in town last month, he stopped by for the conversation you're going to hear right now. Graham Nation, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So we, I don't think, have met before, but as we were talking just a moment ago, um, we have friends in similar circles, and I think... I did see a video of you once, probably back in like 2009, okay. playing drums. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, I think you were drumming along to a Lil Wayne song. Correct, yeah. Yeah. I started off playing music when I was a kid. Like, all I wanted to be was like the next Tommy Lee. I just wanted to be like a rock star drummer or whatever. So I played in punk rock bands since I was like 13 years old and then went into like emo, hardcore, and then I started playing like a hardcore band. Um, probably fresh out of like high school and that's like we toured on that for a little bit wrote like uh, two records a band from Boulder but we all lived, we all moved to Denver and I was really heavily into the music scene um, and then kind of after the band broke up I had a couple years of just like figuring out what was going on and um, hair really um, when I was oh, I guess let me back up when I was younger like when I was like 19 I guess I, um, I met a couple of people in Denver and they were hairdressers and it just was, I don't know, it was so inspiring. They, it, it, these dudes were just covered in tattoos and like they always looked like they were just having the time of their lives when I saw them out. Um, I mean, I don't know if you play music, but it's a super mm-hmm. difficult like industry. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to make a living unless you're incredibly lucky. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's like, it's crazy. So um, we would be out at the bars and stuff and I'd see these people and I'd be like, you know, halfway broke, like trying to just hang out and party and uh, play music. And these people were just like enjoying their lives, like happy, being artistic, wearing what they wanted to wear, doing what they wanted to do. And like, I was super, it stuck with me at a young age. Actually, um, Esteban from the parlor salon, Mm -hmm. I gotta give a shout out to him. When I was 19, he was the first one was like, yo, why don't you go to hair school? Like you would you would do great. Like you, you're off, you know, you're super artistic and it, I think it would be amazing for you. And it kind of stuck with me. And then even when I started touring in bands and stuff, like I was always the one that like brought clippers with me and like clean up my friend's necklines and like, like little stuff like that. And then, um, and then fast forward to when the band started like falling off. Uh, I was living in Brooklyn at the time, um, playing music, writing, um, rap for, like rappers in Times Square or something weird and uh, I just wanted to go to school and I just that was the the obvious next step I just wanted I feel like I could still be creative and still do a lot of the stuff I did with music into hair and put it into that like working with my hands um, being artistic being creative being covered in tattoos if I wanted um, so I just started going that route and um end up moving back to Denver and going to hair school here and just looking into it more and more like I found out there's like loads of hairdressers who like travel and do hair there's like 
celebrity styling, editorial hair styling, runway stuff, or like salon stuff. Even like in the salon, there's like a lot of different things you can do, like just cut or just color both extensions. Like it's there's so many like sub divisions of hair in general. So it just it was really 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 inspiring. So once I got into it, it's like I, I mean my first day of hair school, I was like insanely nervous, and then. It was like the best thing I ever did for myself, for sure. Do you find it uh, creatively fulfilling in a similar way that music was? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. One, even more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because I just get to. It's just a, it's a little it's different. It's I feel like with the band, what I always it was always difficult for me with the band was there was five of us and really it was his best you were as good as your like weakest link or as good as your like worst song or you know what I'm saying last totally. record whatever it is so with hair it was literally like all on me like if I push as hard as I can and get the education and build myself and do everything that I think I should be doing like you can just you know excel fast as high as you want whatever whatever you want you know the sky's the limit well, I think uh, you kind of touched on it a second ago, but for sure, like if you if you pour your heart and soul into hair, you have a much better chance of being like financially stable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enjoying some like being able to go out and like tip and have a good time, like the yeah. hairdressers you saw when you were in, in a band, you know. Yeah, no, and that's major. Like the stability was awesome because all through my band years and even like my early twenties, I didn't go to hair school till I was twenty five, and all through my early twenties, I was just broke like I was working construction for my dad when I, I was on the road for him doing construction and then I'd come home and we'd write a record or record or um, practice and then we'd go on tour for like three months so like I was constantly out of Denver always like working or on tour so with hair it's really nice because I, I still, still do travel with hair like I travel to New York for some clients um, I've been to London I was in London all summer um, that was more for like, I did some modeling stuff over there, but I was definitely still doing some hairdressing and had some people up in Edinburgh that I did a little trip for up there and cut some hair and colored some hair. So it's cool. Yeah. I mean, like the places and the rooms and the people and the atmosphere that hair has brought me into is insane. It's, it's cool. It's, it's, I wouldn't change it for anything. It was with music. I felt like I was trying to go full speed ahead and every time I went to like try to get to the next level I would open the door and it would be like a dead end or it would mm -hmm. be like three right turns to get to another dead end it was it was always just leading to like nothing and with hair I felt like it, it's been so much easier for me to navigate through to what I want to do mm -hmm. I, I set my mind to something and it it, it feel like it's um, an easy I mean it's not like the I don't just get everything handed to me but it's like an easier path like if, I mean I work my I work like every single day, <laughs> but I feel like the path is easier for me to get to where I'm trying to go, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really that, that cool. struck me pretty early on uh, when I was, when I first met my wife and she was in hair school and things like I, I was doing a lot of writing and magazine writing and like freelance writing and just writing fiction and things. That's awesome. And it was fulfilling, but like it, it never, it was, it was always like waiting for something to happen where I could actually like break to the next level where I'd be making a little more money, mm -hmm. getting more work. Uh, and it was really pretty frustrating, you know, but like, yeah, it can be. Then I saw where she was working and she was in a room full of like amazing artists 
and they were all working independently, but they all kind of supported each other and they all educated each other and they were all like extremely talented and really good at different things. And it was such a cool environment. So yeah. I think, um, it's really cool when, especially when you're around same like-minded people and like, there's no competition. Everyone's like just working hard and they're confident in what they're doing and their clientele. I mean, I feel like some salons can get very catty mm-hmm. sometimes, but it's just finding your, where you fit in, you know, like it doesn't always happen right away. I've definitely been lucky in LA where I, the first salon I was at, um, I left for a year and then I came back Now I'm back at that, that first salon. It's like the best, it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Even leaving for the year, it was, and coming back, it was, it was, it's been the best thing. It's like, I'm around people who want to want you to grow and you want them to grow and you're trying to do everything together. And it's, it's so much easier and so much cooler to do that together um, then try to do it on your own or do it with people who are just giving you friction all the time or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> the salon can be a really, really cool, inspiring place. Well, that's part of the reason we call the salon needle in the hay was that, you know, for guests, it's really, it's fine. It's like finding a needle in a haystack when you find a stylist that like really gets you. Totally. But I think for stylists too, like it's really hard to find a salon that, um, supports you the way that you might want. Yeah. So. And I feel like that's a lot to do with the people who try to go to these independent, like, one room salons for them and work for themselves because they haven't found a salon that supports them the way that they want to be supported um, or work the way they want to and I don't know I feel like they just run off and try to work in a room by themselves and for me honestly like that sounds like the worst thing for me it's like I don't want to work in a cubicle because I don't want to be alone in a box all day Yeah. why would I want to go to a salon and work in a box all day by myself. Like, mm-hmm. I think the, the coolest thing about doing hair is you get to interact with so many people, like beyond your clients, like, you know, other hairdressers and even like, and, and beyond, you know, like I feel it's really cool and to, to really single yourself out and put yourself in like just one little room. Um, it's just weird to, it feels uncomfortable even like thinking about me, me doing that. It's just, it's, yeah. it's awkward, you know? When my wife uh, was in, she had a two chair space that was like in a little room. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, she was making good money, but it didn't take long for her to realize like, I can't do this long term because yeah. just that really small cloistered space. Yeah. Um, I feel like so I can hampered get, or creativity yeah. a bit. No, totally. And I feel, I, I have friends that are like educated and stuff and, and travel a lot for education in here and they rent spaces. I think that's, that's, I mean, I mm-hmm. get that. I get why they do that. Cause they're only in the, in the salon, like are in their little shop, like a few days a week and they're traveling a lot. Like I totally get that. But I think that every day, like four day a week, five day a week hairdresser to do that. I don't know. I just, I get that you're making all your money, but I feel like a lot of the creativity starts to taper off a little bit. And this is like a personal thing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some people thrive in that atmosphere and they think it's the coolest. And, but I think a lot of the, the coolest thing about for me, for working in a salon is you get to talk to your coworkers and people who have been in, like if you're doing a client and I mean, and you don't, you know, and someone has a better idea of like, Hey, why don't you try this? Like, I feel like bouncing ideas off of people and just like sharing ideas and, sharing colors and that, that's really the best way to learn doing hair like going to classes and <clears throat> uh learning from like um really talented hairdressers is great and doing these like hair shows are awesome it's really cool but i feel like on the job like really learning in the moment you never forget that kind of stuff you know it's like 
it's that whole like saying what is it like if you like you learn from your mistakes kind of thing like mm-hmm. the best the best lessons are from like when you oh, yeah. when failures the best teachers yeah like totally that. I think that's it because when you have a client that's like just giving you a nightmare a headache it's like the best that's the best education for you that's yeah. where you learn the most it's where you're going to grow the most and if you have people around you that are like helping like throwing ideas at you and just like you know op- it's like expanding your mind to try to like okay well maybe I'll do this next time maybe I should have done this maybe this it's like I feel like that's the best way for us to grow well I think it's nice for guests too I think they like to come into a vibrant space with mm-hmm. lots of different people working and lots of different people getting their hair done and yeah. it's just more exciting no I think so too I think it's I think it's kind of I don't know, it's just cool, especially if it's a cool space. I mean, this space that you have is amazing. It's awesome. Thank you. I've never been in before, and it's it's super beautiful. Appreciate that. And for a client coming in here, it's it's very light and relaxing and open, and there's a lot of light, and it's just cool. Like, I feel like clients love that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and they feel comfortable, and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to be here for two, three hours maybe. Like, cool, whatever, you know? Yeah. So how long were you working uh, in Denver after you, you went to the Aveda Institute? Here, I went correct? to Aveda, yeah, and then I what I do, and then um, and then Matthew. It's funny, actually, I got a job at Matthew Morris when I was still in hair school as a front desk person, and <laughs> Matt, Matthew's awesome. He's great. He's amazing, dude, and. He gave me a job as a front desk person, and I was the worst front desk person. <laughs> I was not. It was not my gig. Um, and after maybe I don't even know if I was there for a month and a half, maybe a maybe a month. And he just sat me. I was like, he's like, he's like, the front desk really isn't your thing, huh? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, nah, it's not really my thing. And he's like, well, just finish. How about you finish hair school and you know then come talk to us. And then so. I think I had like three months or left in hair school, so I did that, and then I went and talked to him. Got a job at his salon for, assisted for like maybe just over a year, um, and then then I went and then and then when I quit, I thought I was super cocky, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna go to Boozerant Salon, whatever, mm. and I went to a Boozerant Salon and failed for a year, yeah, like a year straight. Like I was I was bartending also, and like even some weeks I like had to use bartending money to pay booth rent i was like just the foundation was there but i left so early after like my assistant program like i really didn't build that like salon community that you need yeah i just thought i was like i can do this it's whatever you know it's easy Mm -hmm. and i left in it for a full year like i almost quit doing hair for a minute just because i was so frustrated i was in a i was in a space that i hated like i wasn't getting any support no one cared and it was just like as a young hairdresser, I feel like you need that, you know. That's also another reason I, I see a lot of hairdressers that come out of hair school and um, go right to booth rent. And it's, like, so so crazy yeah. for me. I, like, cringe because I've done it. I did it, and it was awful. And then, so that was for a year. And then um, the next year, um, a, a, a Phil down over at Juno Salon on, like, 6th and Lincoln he was like, hey, I want, he pretty much poached me. He was like, yo, are you happy where you are? You should come over here. And I kind of curved him for maybe like a month or so. And then he was like really persistent. And that was kind of, that was the best thing I did. Cause when I went to his salon, he, he really gave me a like full reign to like make mistakes and learn and really try new things. And he pushed me to try new stuff. So that was the next year. And that's really where I, and also in that year I got sober and I got like 
you know, 50 times more focused on what I was doing and where I wanted to go. And I knew I wanted to go to LA, but I never really had a plan. And when I went to Juno and got sober and really started like, I mean, I started for a while. I worked seven days a week. I worked it every day. He'd let me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really, was that part of like, uh, your strategy for staying sober, like just staying busy kind of at first? Yeah, it was because all my friends were bartenders and cocktail people and bottle service people. So like they're all in the industry. So if I, you know, I, I had, I worked on Sun. I mean, I just stopped working on Sundays because I worked every Sunday because in, when I lived here, it didn't matter because all my friends were just like drinking and partying and drugging and just like living up Sunday fun day, you know? So I was like, well, I'll just work even if it's for like half a day. And that was definitely became my like safe place. I was at work. I felt the most comfortable. I felt like I, I was growing there and I was actually becoming the person that I wanted to be. Um, as a stylist and as like a individual. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it did help me for a while. And I just, it's kind of like when you have a breakup, you, they say like, put your, put everything into your work, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It was like, I got sober and I didn't really know how to live without partying. So I just put everything into work. Cause I, I knew that at the end of the day, that would, you know, be the most, the best thing for me. So I just did that. I worked like six, seven days a week for, I mean, months, months and months, like as long as I could and just saved a bunch of money and started making the plan for me to go to LA. And that's what kind of helped me get out there. Was it challenging at all um, staying sober like within this industry? Because I mean, I know there are a number of hairdressers who are sober, but then there's also a Um, a fair amount of recreational activities. Yeah. Yes. And uh, hmm. Not for me, not really. Like I think when I finally made the choice to, to take the step in sobriety, I was, I was done. I, yeah. was, I knew 100% that I wanted to be sober. So more, it was not even the, as a hairdresser, just like all my friends were just drink, you know, mm-hmm. they all go out. It's all like that kind of, that kind of crowd. So that was harder, I guess. But even the whole time that I worked, until I moved to LA, I bartended. I had a Saturday bartending shift at, a, at like a hip hop club here in town. So like every Saturday I was like pouring Hennessy until two in the morning, you know, like, uh, so really it was, it wasn't the hair, the, the hair world didn't really like make it easier or harder for me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a pretty, pretty solid grip on what you wanted yeah, to do. Yeah. I, I was dating a bartending too. also that was like super on board with me she was really really cool and supportive so that that would that helped a lot so when I wasn't working I was with her and then I would go and bartend or go and do whatever I needed to do so that definitely helped me a lot so having like a support system was cool and even a lot of my guy friends who were like in the party scene with me my my really good friends they were mad supportive so like they were super cool like we'd go out even and I would, I mean, cause I still went out. It wasn't like I was like, a, I couldn't not go out. Mm-hmm. So I'd go out with them and they would, they'd be like, do you, they would order drinks for everybody and they wouldn't even ask me. They would just give me a Red Bull or like give me a soda water. Like it wouldn't even be a thing. Like they wouldn't even make it a deal, which was really cool. Like a lot of my dude friends did that. So it, it made it like easy for me to go out and enjoy it, you know? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It was really cool. I so, uh, what, uh, what inspired you to head to LA? I just, <clears throat> so I lived in LA in 07 for a year when I was playing music and I got accepted to the Musicians Institute out there, MI, mm-hmm. and I was 
out for drumming. I went out there and I was so close to like signing the papers. Like I, I went to the auditions, nailed it, did everything for it, and then at last minute I packed everything up and moved to Brooklyn. Hmm. Um, me and I, I was dating a girl and me and her broke up and I was like, you know what, I'm done with LA. So I moved to Brooklyn for like a summer and just like went crazy and like lived my life. And then when that summer was done, I was like, either I'm gonna stay here or like New York is gonna be good enough to me where it's gonna show me a path or it's not, you know? Cause at that point, like after music and stuff, I, um, I kind of just left it up to like the universe to show me a path to go. I was like, I'm done trying. For all my life, I thought I was gonna be a drummer and now I'm not. So it's like, what? Do, what's the next step? So. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> when I, after Brooklyn, when I got back to, to Denver for hair school, I, I knew, I knew I wanted to go back to LA, like mm -hmm. immediately. It just took me like five years <laughs> of like doing what I was doing here to really like get serious about it. But I, I definitely always knew right when I started hair school, I knew that I wanted to go back to LA and do what I'm doing now. Cool. And what, what did you do when you first got to LA? Where, where did you work? Um... So the first, actually the first week I went there, I, um, a friend of mine, Corey, that I was, he works over at Grand Salon. Uh -huh. He's he's amazing hairdresser. He lived in LA for a while and him and his wife, well, his wife worked at Ken Pavis Salon and we were in, I took a barbering class <laughs> with him just because I wanted to learn it. And, uh, when I got to LA, well, he, we were talking in barber class. He's like, hey, if you ever move to LA, like, I have a few people you should talk to. Like, there's uh, some cool salons or whatever. I was like, all right, cool. So I got to LA and hit him up. I was like, so what's up? <laughs> and then, uh, so the first week, he linked me with um, a, a girl named Lisa that works at, worked at Ken Pavis Salon. And I went in and had a meeting with her. Like, I think I was in LA for like four days and I had a meeting with her. And this was crazy. Like, this is, like, totally how L.A. works, too. Um, I met with her, and then out of nowhere, like, Ken was there filming um, uh, a show for doctors, that show that's on TV. It's, like, a makeover show. Mm -hmm. Ken does a lot of makeovers. Like, that's what he's kind of known for in the industry. He, does, he used to do a lot of stuff with, like, Oprah and people like that and make doing make huge makeovers is his deal. And... He was like there, which he, I learned later on that he is never in this. He was never in the salon ever. Like it would be weeks and weeks and you know in between him coming in, and I was just lucky, like just crazy. So he was there, and we sat down, and had coffee, and she was really cool. She's like, "You seem like a really cool dude. Like, you know, I like your vibe. You're awesome and stuff." And she said, "I wish, I wish Ken had a break. I'd love for you to meet him." And I was like, "Well." you know, let me know whenever, like, I, I didn't know how it works, so he's, I didn't know that he was never there, so I was like, oh, well, just, like, call me, I'll come down anytime, I went back to my car, and she called me, she's like, all right, Ken has a break, she just sat down, like, you should come back, so I came back, and I chopped it up with Ken for about 20 minutes, he was sitting there with his makeup artist, with one of his makeup artists, and then, like, some people filming the show, and his, his agent and stuff, and we all sat down, and he just, right out of the bat, he asked me, what do you want to do? Like, one of the first questions, what do you want to do here? Like, where's your mindset? And I just told him, and he was... What'd you tell him? I just told him that I wanted to do, like, editorial, like, celebrity styling hair. I really wanted to, like, push myself into um, styling, editorial, 
Um, I mean, salons, I've always liked doing salon stuff, but I feel like, and I've even felt like this more now that I definitely love doing like session work. Mm-hmm. I love um, being out in the field and doing like freelance type stuff. I love salon stuff. Um, I love doing hair in the salon. It's, it's great, but I've definitely like, it was never really an option here. Yeah. You know, like when you go to hair school in Denver, it's like people like talk about like celebrity styling or editorial hair and it's not there's not enough work here for you to really only do freelance hair in Denver so it was kind of just like everyone just like dreamed about it so when you move when you move out there like there's a lot of people who don't work in a salon ever they just do like freelance stuff and that was always a dream I don't know why it was always a dream for me I feel like it was I I just feel like doing editorial styling and stuff like that is just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why my my mind went there. I feel like it was maybe more like elite or something. Like mm-hmm. not every hairdresser can do it, um, or wants to do it. Um, or is that something you knew when you moved to LA, or does that something that occurred to you as you were talking to Ken? I think I was more. I, I knew I wanted to to do that, but I think my mind was also like I want to try everything because I was so new in a big city. Mm-hmm. So I was like I want to do a little bit of everything. Like I don't. I'll do whatever because I could cut. I could color. I could do salon stuff. Like. I wanted to learn extensions, but I knew at the end of the day, like I wanted to do more of that stuff. And I don't know if that even stems from <clears throat> just because I know that like people who do like celebrity styling and stuff, like they travel a lot. So I don't know if that goes back to like me playing music and like me be used. I'm so used to like living out of a suitcase at this point. Um, and I don't know if that goes along with um, always being in a band. So now like I, I think in freelance, like you're on your own, like. 100% so I don't know if like that has stuff to, to do with it I kind of mm-hmm. just realized that right now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I just I knew that was where I wanted to end up but I think being in it when you're sitting in front of someone like Ken I mean he's done everything yeah it's not like you're telling him what he wants to hear but you're telling him all the things that you can do like I can do this I can do that I'm okay with this I'm okay with that like you know you're you're not trying to tell him no. You're not trying to tell him anything. And which was, I was it wasn't like I was lying to him, but I was like, yeah, I can definitely do all this stuff. Like I'm, I'm interested in, in everything. But after being there, I've been there for almost three years and it's, my focus has definitely gotten sharper mm-hmm. um, in the last couple of years. What are you, what are you focused on now? Um, now he's, so now Ken is, he's has an agency he's starting. Oh, okay. And, I'm on his agency, so I'm like definitely taking steps into doing more editorial session work um, currently. So that's where a lot of the focus is going. But I'm I'm splitting time. I'm doing like fifty fifty in the salon. Mm-hmm. So I think that in that world, it's great to have a sal- like the salon background because it gives you that discipline, you yeah. know, and it it really sets you up to really be great on on set and even being on set it sets you up to be a great stylist in the salon so it works hand in hand so right now I'm doing kind of like a 50-50 deal some weeks I'm in the salon three days a week some days I'm in the salon one day a week and it's like it kind of just balances itself out Um, and uh, so is it comparable like doing hair for like makeover shows and things Is is there anything you can compare that to is that similar to like doing a wedding or you know doing editorial work like um, what's, what's makeover the vibe shows like are there? cool because I don't know I think the pure joy you get out of doing it and seeing 
somewhat the reveal is great. Mm-hmm. So Ken for the <clears throat> I I think biggest loser was on for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, he did all the makeovers. The salon did all the makeovers for that show. And I was fortunate to be on one of the last ones. I, I helped do some of the makeovers and it was it was so cool to see these people. Like it's just your heart gets so full. And I think that's why Ken loves doing makeovers. He loves to give people that joy and and I get it. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. So I mean doing makeovers it's not really, I don't think it's comparable to really anything. It's kinda like I don't know. Kind of its own beast. Yeah, its own beast. It's really cool. I mean, I did I did a makeover for him on a TV show once, and it was it's cool. I mean, someone sits down and you're like showing them how to do stuff. You have a consult with you know Ken's there, and he's kind of like being like the ringleader of the whole thing. And I colored a lady's hair, and then you know, 30, 45 minutes later, you see this lady out on t- on like on screen in front of a crowd and. They're like talking about stuff you just did and it's I don't know it's really cool yeah um, and just to give someone that joy is amazing definitely well I mentioned to you that um, my wife Nikki her grandfather uh, is a barber was a barber in town and uh, when I talked to him one thing that he really hit on that surprised me is that and it's something he thinks that hairstylists and barbers don't get enough credit for is that like a huge part of your job is morale building mm-hmm you know, you're, you're making people look beautiful in a, in an aesthetic way, but you're also like pumping them up in so many different ways. Just the conversations you're having with them. And like, like you said, like things, showing them how to do things, empowering them with knowledge. Like if you, if you're really doing your job, they, they leave your presence with their morale just boosted. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that's a huge core of why we all do this, you know, is to really a good haircut, a good color. You know, I know when I leave, um, the barber, it, I feel like I'm a, a million bucks, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. And you give these people such self-confidence in themselves. And that's like, that's something that few industries can say they give to people, you know? And I think that's also why Ken loves it because that's what you see in these people. When you give, when you give a makeover or do something, you see the, them light up and it's not like, they're like, Oh, I'm excited. It's like, from the inside it's like they're so full of joy because they feel it you know you can you can tell when someone leaves your chair and they actually feel better and they feel like beautiful like it's like a glow Mm -hmm. and I think that's why a lot of us got into this industry in general and I mean luckily I've been I've worked around a lot of my mentors here in Denver like Matthew and Sabrina and Daniel Brooke and like all these people and Kent and like they they're huge into that. They love giving back and they love like can't um, Matthew gives back all the time. Like we used to do like like really free like charity work, you know, and like mm-hmm. just give back to the community and give back to people. And him and Ken are kind of a, a little bit the same like that. Like they love like doing work like that and like giving their time and to give back to people and like have get them to feel better, you know, about themselves and really like elevate the industry that way and elevate you know it's really cool like yeah. it's cool to it's cool to work under someone that's has that big heart and that you know that mindset is really inspiring like, yeah I've, i feel very grateful to work under people like that when i think on like on a personal level too throughout each day you have you get multiple opportunities to to experience that gratification of, of doing something good for somebody mm-hmm. and having them react happily i would imagine 
in a band, like maybe you play a live show, mm-hmm. but so much work went into that. That's like a big, huge piece of work, and maybe the crowd loves it, and that's similar. Yeah. But so much of life in that industry is like centered. There's a lot of disappointment, like high expectations, <laughs> yeah. and them never being met. Yeah. Like, but you know, in hair, like it's it's more grounded in that sense. I think definitely you can replicate that. I've feeling. definitely been more like a one-on-one person. Like I love that interaction with people. <clears throat> I love that being that personal with people. I've just been better at it. Like, um, so I really enjoy like that one-on-one interaction and like really spending time with someone and making them feel the best they can. Mm-hmm. Like that's that gives me so much joy. I get to walk around every day. Like I think that's why you see so many hairdressers like through the roof, you know, all the time. Cause that's what they get to do all day. You know, it's yeah, not like we're people. like a meter maid and we're giving tickets all day. It's like we get to give like one of the best gifts out there, you know? Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's really cool. So living in LA, I, I guess I wonder, um, do you, is there a different approach that you take when you have just like a celebrity as a guest versus a non-celebrity as a guest? Are there considerations you have to make? You want to give a great service no matter what, no matter who's watching. And, I mean, really, like, taking your time with people in general and not rushing anything, I think, is key. Whether they are someone to the public or whether they're just your mom or your friend or the the girl next door, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I think taking your time and doing the best you can do is, is amazing and what you should be doing. It seems like more than any other social media outlet, Instagram is really tailor-made for this industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like how much, I mean, you have a pretty sizable following. How much work do you have to put into that? Instagram is great for us uh, with the videos and everything. It's it's amazing. The work never stops. I mean, you ask anyone Mm -hmm. who pushes Instagram a lot in this industry, it never stops. I wake up and check. It's like I check it before I check my emails. Um, it's probably won't, I mean, sadly, it's like probably one of the worst, the be- last things I look at before I go to bed, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. if I'm posting or replying to comments, cause it's like, it's not just like you're posting a photo and just leaving it. Like I want to interact with people. I want to, them to know that I'm a real person too. You know, I'm just sitting there posting hair photos or whatever. You're going to put the so, social in social media. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of work goes into it. A lot of like preparation because I mean, you're trying, that's your work. That's to me. Um, that's why I don't really have a lot of, I try not to have more than 500 photos or something on my, on my page or like, I even have less if I could, but I just won't use it as a portfolio. Like it's just like my current work. It's what I've been doing. I don't want to use it as a timeline. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to post the best work and produce the best stuff. Cause I mean, that's for hairdressers. It's our advertisement. It's how we get clients. It's how we let our clients know we're traveling. It's how we let them know we're out of town or in the salon or this and that. So, I mean, I spend a lot of, I mean, countless hours thinking about it, what I'm going to post next. Like I have, I have girlfriends and my, actually my girlfriend home at home, she, uh, I mean, I'll just send them photos of like three different photos. I'm like, what do you like the best? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'll just, cause I'm, you, I mean, you take a bunch of photos and you're like, well, that one's great. And that one's great. And you're, I, you're after a while, you're like, I just need a second opinion. So, I mean, hours goes into it for sure. Because I mean, you're just trying to build it just like anything else, you know, like just like building a clientele. It just, it just takes time. Yeah. And, and just consistency. And it's kind of something you end up like wanting to curate. Yeah. Have look tight and proper. Yeah, of course you want every photo to like look nice and 
I mean, I don't really edit my photos as far as like color and stuff, but I'll definitely like, you know, like put it in Facetune and clean up pores or you know make people look nice. Like, Part of that morale building. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have to like. You want to have it. I'm not trying, trying to say like I put a full face of makeup on a client if I take a photo, but like sometimes you want to. I mean, I would want that for me if I yeah. t- if someone took a photo of me and like, oh, you have a huge zit on your chin, like. I got you, man. Don't worry yeah, about it. Like, gonna, I'm really going to complain. I'm just going to clean you up real quick. <laughs> Take away so, a few wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're constantly trying to just produce the best image you can and the best, because that's your work. Yeah. We, I mean, a lot of us, we don't have books anymore that you walk into a salon and you see images of like what the hair we've done. It's all online now. So, I mean, you're only as good as your last post or your last color, your last cut. You know, I feel like yeah. that's such a true thing because people remember that and they see that so being selective of what you're putting out there is key when i think social media too has changed this industry in a major way in that you know uh when my wife was coming up i remember like salons were were very protective of each stylist clientele like they kind of treated that as the property of the salon Mm -hmm. which made sense in in a way back then but now uh it seems pointless to try and do that because you know everyone's on social media if -hmm. someone leaves and goes somewhere else like they're going to, their clients will find them. Yeah, you know? definitely. So it seems like it's now, I think it could have a very positive effect in that I think salons in general like, would do better to just support everyone. Like if someone leaves, yeah. be happy for them. Yeah. I, I always will give my clients at least, at least my email. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, I mean, most of my clients have my phone number and they just text me for appointments and I'll either put it in like I'm in, but in LA, like they're, my, my son out there, they're super into us booking our own appointments or the client booking their own appointment. We have like an online booking system. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great. I think you need to. You need to give out your number, give out your Instagram, give out your name, your, uh, not your name, but your, like, um, your email address. Like you need to, you want to have that connection with them just in case you do leave or mm-hmm. they leave town early. Like what if they're going on a trip and they want to change something last minute? Like I'd rather get a text from a client like, hey, can you do... 8 instead of 8.30 or can you do Friday instead of Thursday like I'd rather me personally know or me be the first to know than me show up to the salon hours later and then I feel like it's secondhand knowledge yeah I would want them to contact me first just as much as I try to contact them at at first if something if, if something needs to be moved or if you know anything like that I try to contact them directly right off the bat because I feel like that I don't know I just feel like that's more professional I yeah. guess like when I think most guests would rather um, you know reschedule a surgery than a hair appointment <laughs> you know yeah. especially with a, an in-demand stylist like it's totally it's a sacred little time slot yeah definitely and yeah. having that like personal relationship I think is it's it's where the industry's going you know like you said mm-hmm. like it used to be like the salon was sacred and they wouldn't give out you know this where the stylist went and stuff and or anything like that and now it's just changed it's totally changed with with instagram and Mm -hmm. you know even just how people run their businesses now because so many stylists even even in um even in salons like a lot of i mean a lot of salons in la are like run as we're independent contractors even though Mm -hmm. we all work on the same roof like we're all independent so we run it as that and we run it as like well here's graham's information like or we'll take your information give it to graham he can talk to you like they're very salons just directed like that because i think at the end of the day 
if you know goes back to if you're creating a, a, a great environment the stylist isn't going to want to leave you know and they're, mm-hmm. if they're making good money they're not going to want to leave they're having in a cool creative space they're not going to want to leave so it's like just give them that you know and create an, a rad environment and these people are going to stay there forever and you know with their clients and you want you know style salons should want stylists to be the biggest they can be and just support that because that's mm-hmm. I think that's going to make them the best they can be you know holding like holding something over their head you know and trying to to make them feel like they can't ever leave like it, it's going to explode and you're going to have like a huge walkout like all of a sudden you know it's it's not going to be healthy but if you're supporting the stylist correctly and giving them what they need and letting them be themselves like why would they ever leave yeah know, if they're happy yeah you don't want to make it fear-based yeah totally like Definitely. oh if you leave we're gonna you won't have any clients because we're gonna keep your whole client list it's like well why would you hold that over my head? Like, why would you hold that over my head and then turn around and be like, but we're fun here. We're mm-hmm. creative. Like, come work for us. It's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> you can't be on both sides of the line, you know? Like, yeah. so, no, I think that's great. I think stylists and um, clients should have that. And all the people that I talk to and newer hairdressers that are coming up to ask me for advice, I always tell them, like, just get their address, you know, give them your email. Yeah. Like, let open that door of communication just in case you just you never know i'm not saying like everyone's trying to leave the slum but you never know if something comes up if anything you know you want that to have that relationship with your clients you know yeah and we kind of talked about um well you mentioned that you after you your apprentice program went straight to booth rent Mm -hmm. um it seems like that's definitely a trend in the industry right now like a lot of people just wanting to go to booth rent right away. Um, mm-hmm. Our salon is a hybrid salon, so that's cool. Most of our stylists are booth renters, and then we have a stylist who's building, who's a commission, and then we have an apprentice who will be commissioned on the floor. Um, and what we what we wanted to do is create like a level system where they can work their way up. To I think booth that's renting, amazing. Which, yeah, yeah, which it was our response to what we see. Um, and you mentioned that in LA, a lot of people are independent contractors. Uh, are there other different like significant differences between the industry here and versus? Los Angeles? Not really. I mean, the only difference is I, I think <clears throat> just like on paper, like how you you run your business. But I mean, not not a whole lot. I mean, a lot of the bigger salons um, aren't booth rent. Like a celebrity stylist salon or whatever isn't. You don't really get a lot of booth rent people. I mean, there's some that are hybrid or some that might offer it, but for the most part, they're all you're all independent contractors and you have a commission. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean not not too much difference just like little tweaks here and there it's it's really just because the laws in LA the labor laws and stuff and that's why they I feel like they kind of run Mm. do that stuff that makes sense yeah so do you still uh, drum? I do I um, about two years ago so I haven't played like acoustic drums in years and a couple years ago I I was so fed up so I went to Guitar Center and just bought like a an electric kit and I, I beat on it every once in a while I unfortunately I've been like in so busy with doing with doing hair mm-hmm. I mean I've been just I work like so much so I haven't really played too much and I haven't played with a with a group or a band or like anyone else and I don't even know when we have uh, uh, our oldest son is 10 and he's been playing drums since he was like four and awesome. I think I mean he was the one who gravitated towards drums yeah and then uh, one of the things we read along the way that made us even more excited about him playing drums was that drummers are often well, I think in the band dynamic, you think of the drummer being in the back, but the drum the drummer really is kind of leading everything. Totally. And then in general, people who have that skill set tend yeah. to be natural leaders outside of uh, 
you know, outside oh, of the music I industry? About that. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you feel like your your experiences and your knowledge as a drummer influence the way you approach hair at all? Um, I never really thought about that. I I guess that could be pretty true. I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like when I got out of doing hair, maybe I was in hair school with a bunch of bunch of younger girls because I was an older guy uh-huh. that I felt like I was just kind of put into that role. Like people were like, all right, well, what do we do, Graham? Or stuff like that. So yeah, but I, well, I think I mean, as a drummer too, you you yeah. might not even realize that you you maybe carry so. yourself you a little carry, differently. Yeah, because maybe you, so you just carry carry you, the you've been the rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I never really thought about that, actually. Cool. It's a good observation. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully uh, yeah, hopefully the rhythm will go on. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like All right, man. Well, thanks. Appreciate hey, you taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and don't be a stranger. Yeah, it's been amazing. Appreciate you. Hair, Hair, Hair is produced in partnership with Natch, Natch. 9000 and was recorded at Needle in the Hay Salon in Denver's Cherry Creek North neighborhood. Visit us at needleinthehaysalon.com and follow us on social at needleinthehaysalon where we will post updates about future episodes of Hair, Hair, Hair.